Don't panic, everybody. This is a new episode of Low Profile. It's the podcast that stays at least six feet away from popular music. On today's program, Mark Lee talks over coffee with his northern neighbor, Nick Kurgovich from Vancouver, BC. Nick has been writing and recording music since his early teens. In addition to his solo work and previous bands, Piano and No Kids, he has collaborated with other Pacific Northwest artists like Mount Erie and Dear Nora. I'm Lonnie Morrison, Markley's very supportive wife. Before we hear the interview, I'd like to suggest fans of the show to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and support the show by donating any amount by visiting patreon.com slash lowprofile. Thank you for listening. Hang on, let me put these things in. Okay. Hello, Nick. Hi, Nick. How's it going, Markley? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. You up and running? Uh, you know, more or less. I uh, I took the bus downtown and grabbed some coffee and uh, came into my engineer's studio. He's uh, in isolation in Texas right now, Miles. Oh, gee. You know, uh, he, he's fine, but his parents were worried yeah. about him, so his dad lives in kind of a rural area, and they're like, why don't you just go hole up over here right now? So, huh. um, you, went, you flew down from Olympia? Yeah. To like, yeah, oh, he flew crazy. from Olympia to Texas, and uh, now I'm sitting in his living room, AKA Studio B. It's the uh, former Kill Rockstar studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Iconic. Totally iconic. <laughs> Are you rolling on your end? No, do you want me to? I'll turn it on. Okay. So, do I call you Nick? Do I call you Nicholas? What are you going by these days? Uh, I mean, everyone calls me Nick, usually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nicholas was just a... It's my full name. I Because I had so many band names over so long a period of time i was just like i'm gonna go very formal well that's great i remember when i heard um your first solo record uh or parts of it years before it came out um when mm-hmm. when you were uh you'd been working on on sunset for a while mm-hmm. and uh i was recording with lake at the unknown and phil elvram put on some uh, top secret recordings of On Sunset. Mm-hmm. And we were just all kind of awestruck by it. And he said, yeah, I asked what kind of music he's making these days. And he said, expensive. expensive but I wanted it to I wanted to make it sound expensive uh, it comes across that way I, I think you probably charged me like 10 or 15 bucks for the LP so 
It wasn't too expensive by uh, those standards, but... No. It's alarming how expensive a record is right now. Or has been, I find. You know, I was looking for your uh, In an Open Field album, which I want to talk about later, and uh, Mm -hmm. the only copy I could find in the U.S. was running for 50 bucks. So, you know, you have kept up that that, uh, expensive (laughs) trend. Yeah. They're, I think they're scarce. I, I don't have any copies of that and haven't for months. I only ever saw five copies of Ouch in real life, and I kept one of them. Really? So, wow. Yeah, I, they're probably all in some weird distro warehouse. You know? I gotta go sneak in. Yep. Um, I was just listening to the track that you sent me... Um, it was just labeled as number one. I don't know if that's the title, but um, I, mm. I I don't see the moon. Mm. It's, yeah, it doesn't have a title yet. Okay. Maybe it's called number one. I have no idea. It's <laughs> yeah. it's lovely. Um, do do you mind if we play a clip of it and not the whole? Yeah, thing? sure. Yeah. So my five-year-old daughter Camille uh, share in common is that we love long songs, mm. and that is a long song. Mm-hmm. It goes past the nine-minute mark, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. It's just one of those things you kind of want it to keep going, and it does, and it's really gratifying. Oh, nice. That's a that's a high compliment. I feel like to suspend time make a long things not seem that long. I think that's awesome. But that's mainly uh, Joseph Shabison who I worked with on that one. That's kind of his doing, the fact that it was so long. Because actually when we started it, I was like, oof, this feels like a bit of a slog. But by the time we finished it, I was like, damn. I was very surprised. It's, I feel like when you're in the studio, you sort of want to edit yourself more than maybe you should sometimes yeah and it's it's a well it's a tough balance we made that uh recording quite quickly like the this record that's coming up hopefully in the fall but we're still mixing right now so whatever you are going to play is still a rough mix but uh, low pro file exclusive Oh, 
came together very fast. The, the whole record did? Mm-hmm. This is a collaboration was, with Joseph who? The Shabbosan, he's a... Hmm. I met him through Destroyer and this band he plays in Diana. He's from Toronto, and he's a saxophone woodwind, or he plays flute and stuff. He plays all over the last album I did, Ouch. And he's great. We just got along as friends and just kind of talked about making something for a couple of years and then just finally did it in a f- few days, really. Uh, I, I, I know it maybe is a touchy subject or maybe... Uh, is, mm-hmm. Are we still talking about ouch? Oh, er, yeah. I mean, it's not touchy. You can talk about it. <laughs> so that record... It wasn't even touchy at the time. <laughs> uh, oh, really? It was and it wasn't. I don't know. Well, whatever. I mean, it's life. It, it seems like it was, it must have been a very cathartic process um, to like sort of get my listeners in on the um, the theme of it. Uh, from what I read and from what I gather from the lyrics, it's your, it, it's a concept album about an actual breakup that you went through that was sort of your first experience with heartbreak as a full grown mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's got a lot of humor on it, um, but it's also got a lot of you know there, there's also a lot of pain there, um, and I just I don't think I've ever heard an album where every song is essentially about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of sides to turn over when it comes to something like that, I feel. But I did feel at a certain point that I was beating a dead horse. So I was glad that I stopped because I felt like I could have kept going as far as writing. (laughs) (laughs) I think you I think you really put out um, just a really good, solid piece of art there, though, that um, thanks. It's it's sort of in my opinion, it's. It's probably not unprecedented, but um, I feel like it's sort of a... It's got, like, a teenager-y vibe to it. It, it kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of being, like, when I was, you know, like, in my early teens and just totally, like, heartbroken over, like, a crush that was probably never meant to be. Um mm-hmm. But at the moment, it felt like every the most important thing in the world. And how the hell am I going to go on? And I didn't even get the chance to be fed up with you. Every time you disappear. That you handed me in three Did you 
Intellectually, I could understand that I was being ridiculous, but emotionally I was just letting it happen. It had to happen in the way that it did. You kind of feel like you're going to die or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you, you just don't know that this isn't the end. <laughs> but it just feels that way in such a distinct way. It's crazy. And so it was, what, maybe 12 songs about mm-hmm. about that relationship? Mm. And... You allude to uh, that it was a brief relationship. Mm-hmm. Say, but it definitely took up a lot of bandwidth in my brain world during that time and for a while after. It was, it's embarrassing, but true. <laughs> I know you have not been writing very many songs for a while. Do you think your relationship uh, played into that? Do you think it took away from your creative process or were uh, you just uh, distracted or? No, I tend to, to have long chunks of time these days where I don't do anything and it's not for any reason. I just like, I generally have come to, ever since the songs that were on In an Open Field, basically I'm more, I'm most comfortable and most interested in writing when I just I have to do it or feel like or that's not not like it's an assignment but we're just like I just strongly am compelled to make something and if I'm not feeling that then I just don't do it so I'm all about easy breezy when it comes to making stuff right yeah now. you're working on three it. different projects right now uh, mm-hmm yeah I think a lot of it comes down to just like trusting the people you're working with and like loving them and like just knowing that whatever is happening is what's supposed to be happening you know just like not I'm into like not fighting against anything when it comes to making stuff at the moment so it feels can great. you tell me a little bit about the covers album that you're putting together yeah um a year ago I got asked to play a show and I've been playing live solo quite a bit and I was kind of tired of it and then I wanted to throw a band together and I was kind of looking at my songs that I'd been playing and they were all kind of annoying to learn I feel like too many too many chords too many stuff there's too much going on so I picked I started picking songs that I felt like playing that seemed like I could have a little pickup band come in and play with me and they then I the theme I chose was songs that my friends had written so, or people that I knew had written. So, I, there's a couple Lake songs. Yeah, like you're doing a couple of our our songs and from contemporaries. A, I think that's our giving and receiving album. Yeah, including that song, title track. I love that song. I can't believe that song. Yeah, it's so it's, good. It's haunting. I remember when yeah. Ashley wrote that and shared it with us for the first time. Mm. Oh, this is definitely something different. I would have died. Yeah. The lyrics are incredible. She writes such amazing lyrics. It's insane to me. It's like just simple, simple, simple and so powerful. Like I mean not simp like yeah. She transmits ideas very <clears throat> clean and effortlessly, I feel. It's um, awesome. I, I, I wanna drop in a clip yeah. here of uh the song Plants that you sent me. Sure. 
Another rough mix, everybody. The daffodil is a wildflower. The dandelion is a weed. The bluebell is a pretty flower. The holly is a prickly tree. Weed once did grow wild as apples. Some by my friend Veda Hilly, who's from Vancouver, and she lives down the street from me. And her, uh, I've known her since I was maybe 16. I was a huge fan of hers in high school, and I would show up to her shows, and, I think she, and I'd go talk to her after shows, and I think she had a bit of a curiosity as to why there was like this 15, 16-year-old stand in the front listening to her, her weird art songs, you know? And so we just, yeah. She kind of she invited me to some parties, and then when her and her partner would go out of town, I'd house sit, and then over time we just turned into friends. So, and plants is a song of hers from the early 2000s, and I just dusted it off and came up with a little arrangement, and we recorded it. That recording we did last because the this covers thing we just did was mainly in one day, one session, mainly all recorded live, and that was the last song we did probably at 2.30 in the morning or 3, like, quite tired. But the energy there was, like, uh, wonkily sleepy and pleasing, I feel. Because when we listened back to it the next day, we were like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but at the time, we were like, this is it. We're out of it. We better stop. Well, I, I think it sounds great. And um, I, I think it's a really cool idea Thanks. to just sort of uh, pick from the jukebox that is your friends and familiars and sort of uh, bring mm. those to a new audience. Yeah, it's fun. And it's I, w- I didn't give the song selection any thought. And uh, I guess to finish the story, I threw together like a band to do this thing live and it was fun. And then we did it again at Zebulon in LA in the summertime. And then we were like, ah, this was so fun, we should record it. So we got together in LA seven months later and just did it. What, what's your relationship to Los Angeles? Because I, you seem to sing about it an awful lot. I used to anyway. Or I mean, I guess it still comes up. I uh, I mean, I romanticized it a lot as a kid. Like our, those Disneyland trips and whatever else were very like potent for me. Just as I've always kind of like been attracted to the energy there. Includes like the you know show busy side and and also just the the pink light you know the nice weather I don't know it's like a thing I think about or used to think about a lot as a kid it left an impression on me so then I tried to unpack that over that on sunset record make sure. something that kind of felt like those feelings a little bit but then I ended up spending just more and more time there and lived there for a bit years ago and you live there i don't know i did like for a bit in 2011 2012 that okay donkey's age ago and then i don't know i go down there often i love it i it's it's a great place so like you're home away from home feels that way yeah but you've you grew up in vancouver bc Mm mm-hmm just outside of it yeah 
and still how, here. Do you feel like um, that informs your music very much either? It's starting to, especially this, uh, the, this four-track Tascam record, and even the Ouch, I would say. The, the time and place and setting of all these songs are definitely Vancouver, my neighborhood, all that junk. Track one definitely feels Vancouver-y. Probably the most Vancouver-y thing I've made for some reason. Just because the songs are very, like... Uh, my friend Adele uses this word quotidian, but it's true. That's kind of what it is. They're just, like, it's a... They're, they're just domestic and small and just kind of just, like, morning pages. Not much going on, really. Observational, tiny, dinky songs. Do you have a name for your four-track project? Hmm, not yet. Maybe ducks, but I don't know. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the track that you sent me. For yeah, this is the first one I made up. Inspired the move to four track. I had it in the closet since like 2007 or something, and I was going through stuff, and I and I was like, wait a minute, this thing, I love this thing. Why don't I use this thing? So I got it tuned up, and that's all really. Yeah, it just seemed fun. And also, I feel like we're living in a time where it's really easy to make something sound quite good at home. Yeah. Even Ouch was pretty much just recorded at home on, like, an old laptop and, like, some, a couple mics, you know, like, and I think it, well, a lot of that's partially or mainly due to John Collins, who mixed it, polished all my turds, but at the same time, I just wanted (laughs) to make something also at home that, I don't think it sounds like shit, but it definitely sounds like not good it's not maximalist (laughs) as uh, some of your earlier solo records were yeah absolutely not but i i feel in my bones that the next thing i want to do is probably something uh a lot more i've like put absurd ambition to the side for years and so now i'm feeling like it could be cool to, to try that again as a you know, because I'm a slightly different person now. I'm just glad that you're uh, you have a trajectory right now. Um, I I'm always looking mm. forward to your your next release. And mm, thanks. Ever since I, I uh, so when I when I first started seeing you perform, I guess I I saw you at What the Heck Fest uh, with probably one of your last No Kids performances. Hmm. And. Uh, no Kids was, uh, I know you put out a single with Tom Lab, is that right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and then there's one a full, full length, length and like a four song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how long was that project around for? Mm, 07 to 2011, I think. Yeah. Or 08? Yeah. Not, not long, but 
long enough. And then you had uh, piano before that. Mm-hmm. That was your high school band? Yeah. I don't know. The the progression just feels really natural. Working up to um, where you are today, um, it, it totally makes sense in all the different, like, energies and life stages um, translate really well. It, when, when did you start writing songs? Mm, pretty young. Or just as far as, like, making, making them up. Yeah. Definitely like yeah. Early memory of maybe first grade, second grade, Fisher Price tape recorder. Yeah, writing versus making you know. up. I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I it, uh if you'll forgive me for sharing a, a quick anecdote, uh I mm. I was working at a uh, an arcade and a pizzeria in my early twenties and uh mm. these these kids were talking about all the rap they liked, and I um, recited this rap I had written about Mr. T. And uh, this kid looked at me and said, is that a real song, or did you just make it up? <laughs> <laughs> you know, both. What did he say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a real song now yeah. because I made it up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but when when I first started seeing your uh, your performances under your own name, uh, you were synon you were synonymous with uh, a, singing through a vocoder, that vocoder. Sorry, your your talk box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put out the uh, It Never Was You single, and then I feel like it was probably a good, like, maybe four years later that you came out with your first record full length. Hmm. Uh, do you, you ever mess around with the talk box anymore? Do, I haven't. I mean... Do you still have one? Yeah, I, well, it's the same one. It's just, like, whatever I got at the gar- guitar center. I went there with Phil, actually. Like, we drove down to, like... Everett maybe or whatever whatever guitar center was just up before Seattle coming down from Anacortes and we like deked in there and bought it and it's all because uh, do you know Gus Franklin from Architecture in Helsinki and other things he was in Anacortes quite a bit oh years ago wow and he played me that Roger Troutman song Emotions and I just became obsessed with it
So that kind of just kickstarted it for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real infectious thing. I, I can understand, like, sort of becoming obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like I mastered anything. I just I just dinked around with it for a, a minute. But it's fun. That's for sure. My first impression of your, your solo work was, uh, well, I was going through a big uh, Sade thing. And I was mm. like, this is the male Sade. This is like... <laughs> this this guy is giving us what Sade isn't giving us when she's in her long interim. It's <laughs> really nice. And yeah, I loved it. Uh, do you remember uh, when we were both at What the Heck Fest and we were both wearing uh, homemade Sade t-shirts on the same day? I do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, we're nerds. Oh, yeah. It's great. Nerds. Talking to um, my former bandmate Andrew Dorsett about mm-hmm. uh, how I was going to be talking to you soon. He said something to me about uh, like, I heard that he like did an album with Sean O'Hagan or from the High Llamas and Stereo Lab. He's like, I heard that he was like working with him or he was going to work with him and then he didn't. And I, I was like, oh, well, I don't know if that happened, but if it did, I know which album it was. Uh, no, it's uh, I my friend Chris Cummings, who I also cover on that thing I have coming up. Yeah, he has a project called Marker Starling. Yeah, his last record was recorded with Sean O'Hagan, and I was in London a couple years ago when they were working on it, and went by the studio and just did some singing and hung out and stuff. So that's what that was. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chris Cummings. He's a he's another uh, Canadian artist. Yeah, he he lives on the edge of Toronto, I think. Yeah. Yeah, pianist. He's, and he he's yeah he's great. I love him so much. He he sings. We duet on one of the songs on the Shabbosan Kurgovich Harris album that we just did in June. Yeah, he's he's a great singer songwriter. Um, yeah. Everybody ought to check him out. Marker Starling. Yeah. Yeah. Really into Trust an Amateur that he put out maybe last year or the year before. I haven't heard that <laughs> yet. One. Yeah, I recommend it. Back to Sean O'Hagan, um, I really thought that um, In an Open Field was very evocative of uh, High Llamas, particularly like, say, Hawaii or Beat Maze and Corn um, albums that he put out. And I, I told Andrew that, oh, well, if Sean O'Hagan had anything to do with Nicholas Kurgovich, it was this album. Is there, is there any truth to that? Are you a, are you a fan of his? Or? Uh, I think in principle, yeah. And also meeting him and working with him, yeah. But I, I had Cold and Bouncy on CD when I was in high school, but that's the only one that I know and have heard. But I think maybe what you're hearing probably is me thinking about, like, the Stereolab records I listened to in the mid-90s. Okay. And those kind of rubbed off on In an Open Field here and there, I think. So. That is so lush. Maybe it's that. Yeah. But also brittle. <laughs> I'm just a sleepy snake, now all coiled up, watching everything. Hey. 
the instrumentation on that, was that your friends of yours or studio musicians or? Yeah, every, who's everybody was. Sounds? It was friends or friends of friends, and most of it was recorded in the UK with um, uh, label mates of mine that I've toured with as like a live band, and so we went to the studio, and also Peter Zumo from the trombonist from New York was in town, so he was in there as well. And then uh, I mentioned to Rich from my label that I want, uh, would like some like pedal steel, and he's like, oh, I know BJ Cole or whatever, and he's like this legendary pedal steel person that lives in London, and he played on like Tiny Dancer and stuff like that. He's played on Everybody's Everything. Wow. And so he, he drove up... So and then I went to LA with the files and added some stuff there and then brought it to my friend John Collins in Vancouver and he mixed everything here. How long did that record take you? A while, but not of constant work. Also John I kind of appreciate it that he just he really he takes his time. Not that he's just like he takes I don't know, it's a slow process. He he's a busy person and works on stuff when he can but uh, it's it's kind of funny how yeah I don't know it wasn't it wasn't very factory like anything about this that record anyway but yeah so it took some time yeah I feel like I read that you sort of were like banging those songs out until you realized Mm -hmm. that you were working on a record just another one of those like songwriting spurts yeah that was kind of uh the vibe then I would I yeah I just I was living in this little hut behind my friend's house on Gabriola Island the small island off Vancouver Island and it was the winter time and I was there for three or four months and there's literally nothing to do so I would just make stuff and so I whittled that album out of those songs that I came up with there yeah I'm gonna I I want uh, my listeners to hear a little piece of uh, Do It Again from that album right cool. here. Sure. I stand alone in the yard by the rabbits. I watch the That album is very pastoral, and I mean, I've, in preparation for this interview, I've been listening to all of your output, but I feel like I've listened to In an Open Field probably a dozen times at least. Oh, wow. Uh, nice, thanks. It just really speaks to me somehow. I, I think it's just got such a pastoral feel to it, and, you know, with you singing about petting farm animals and just <laughs> it just it has a real like uh, backyard 
or like walking through woods, nothing to do sort of vibe to it. And uh, yeah. a lot of just sort of uh, describing your surroundings and the feelings that evokes. And it's just so relatable. That's nice to hear. That's one of those records, because there was such a, a mass of songs that I picked through to put them together. I didn't really do that with any sort of like themes or intentions in mind. They just kind of... I pulled those 12 songs out of maybe 50 or something. And I, when I did that, it wasn't because they were saying anything in particular about anything. I just liked them and wanted to work on them. So it's good that they hang together all right. Yeah. What, what's going on in, uh, in Vancouver these days? Or uh, outside Vancouver. Have you ever gotten into another relationship since Ouch? Oh, yeah. He's in the other room. We've been... It's over two years, actually. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's great. I'm, I'm psyched. He, he I feel like he pops up a lot on the four-track record, but not in any sort of, like, dramatic way. It's just... Those songs are very much just about my day-to-day, so if there's... He's very much a part of that, so... Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, what else is going on here? I work and get up at 6.18, have a shower, put the kettle on before I go in the shower. It's boiled by the time I get out of it. Make coffee, toast eat an apple, work till five at uh, my job that's about a six or seven minute drive down the road that I've had since I was 16. And then I come home and now that the days are longer, I usually like to go for a run after work and then have one or two beers. And I basically make the same food for dinner all the time. I've been making just flipping brown rice, uh, steamed kale some chopped up tomatoes maybe and i've been oh i've been really into holy kraut sure, sauerkraut yeah. that yeah they finally carry that up here oh so wow i've been buying the that one pop that in some tempeh maybe yeah there are yeah. there are a sponsor for this episode hopefully are they really oh okay. i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna ask I mean, now <laughs> Ask now. Deepest shout out to life. Uh, Katie Davidson got me into that. Oh yeah, Katie uh, Davidson. Yeah. 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 And Dear Nora. Uh, right. Dear Nora. Yeah. I've been playing in that group for the last maybe three years now. Two. I don't know. We were just all in LA together last month. We went to Disneyland and played a show at the Bootleg. I love them. Yeah. Um, Another iconic Northwestern staple yeah wonderful songwriter there's a cover to dear nora songs on that covers thing too of course and there's gotta be yeah yeah and what else oh yeah i'm just take taking you through my day how does that sound to you i love it <laughs> my life yeah 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 no that's that's great i i want cool. that <laughs> yeah it's a little it feels like a oddly regimented a bit right now but it's it's okay. Yeah, well, you're you're a lifer at the company you work at. It, it sounds like. Yeah, but uh, I've always had long times. It's been classically a seasonal job, and just because of what's going on in the world right now, we actually did get laid off. So, 
I usually have large parts of the year where I don't have to work there. And that's been really helpful to me to go on tour or work on music and stuff. And the longer I've been there, I've been inching up the seniority list. So those in the last couple of years, I'm mainly working there full time. But now I'm going to I got my two weeks notice yesterday or the other day. So oh, wow. Back to living like an old retired lady. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Which I like. I'm really good at just letting a day go somehow. <laughs> yeah. I don't get bored very easily. Yeah, I've, I've been at the same company for going on 13 years now. Yeah. Really? What do you do? Uh, I work at a bakery here in Olympia. And Which one? Uh, uh, San Francisco Street Bakery. Okay. Are you the baker? I'm the uh, retail manager and ah. a prep cook and a baker yeah. and uh, I train janitors and do scheduling and work the counter and <laughs> basically the only yep. thing I don't do at the bakery is make bread well <laughs> but I, I uh, amazing in in the course of uh, the last 13 years I've uh, pretty much picked up on everything else matter of fact I'm gonna be the delivery driver in a couple weeks to give our delivery guy well, a, be fun. a vacation so cool yeah i'm the uh i'm i I call myself the helper now i just try to help everybody so yeah yeah i love that yeah it's you know it's good when you you know i I feel really blessed to have found someone who has been willing to accommodate my schedule and uh you know give me a lot of leeway you know for for 10 years they would let me go on tour yep. for X amount of time and then always come back to work. Um, yeah, it's that's yeah. great. My my job has been like that too. Like I left for a year and a half and they were like, okay. And then like came back as if nothing had changed. That's one thing that's amazing about my job is like I was gone for a year and a half, came back to Vancouver, went on tour with Phil for two weeks in Japan. You're talking about uh, Phil Elvrum, just to uh, clarify, of uh, Mount Erie. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I hadn't been to work for a long time, and then I was at work straight back from Japan at 7 a.m., and I felt like no one, like, no one had changed, nothing about the job had changed, no new faces. I felt like I hadn't even left. It's, like, very strange in that way but kind of weirdly comforting, I guess. Well, that reminds me, I did want to talk about um, your your role as sort of a, you know, you've, you've been a collaborator with a lot of people, um, and notably with Mount Erie. Um, you've, you've done a lot of time as a, a band member with with Phil. Um, yeah. How did, how did that come about, and what role do you feel like that played in your trajectory? Mm, like it's just mainly because we were friends that's and I was maybe just around or something I don't know oh actually no I lie in 2007 we got paired up to make a song together for uh Tom Lab put out a an album with lyrics written by David Trigley like they assigned artists to come up with songs for uh David Trigley lyrics, who's that 
that Scottish uh, artist, visual artist, and Phil and I got paired up and we made something and it was super fun. So I think maybe that planted the seed in his mind. And that was Worried Noodles, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we did <clears throat> we did three or two or three songs for that and then That might have been my first exposure to um you as an artist. I've hmm. I've had that since it came out. Oh cool. Yeah. 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 And now that I think about it. Yeah. And then at before I before I knew who you were or anything. Hmm. Um that's probably that's probably how I first heard your your stuff. Right. Yeah. Because up until that, Phil and I were, had been friends for years, but never made anything together. And so then I just kind of, I started hopping in on stuff. And then we started going on tour together a lot. And like a, that's the most touring I've ever did in my, done in my life was those that little window with Mount Erie, which was a while ago now, but it was substantial. But I don't know how it affected my trajectory other than it was just something I was doing. But yeah, it was fun. Sure. Yeah. And who else have you collaborated with over the years, notably? Mm. Uh, my friend Amber, I co-wrote uh, four songs on her last record, and that came out maybe two years ago now. <clears throat> that what's, was. What's that called? Uh, it's called... Oh, my gosh. Amber Kaufman... This album is called City, uh, City of No Reply. That's, I didn't even look it up. I remembered it. My brain is just like a speaking of noodles, like a noodle. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, City of No Reply. There's four songs on there that I helped with, and then I played on it. That sounds like an opportunity to play a, a sample. Um, yeah, sure. Do you, do you remember a title of one? That yeah, I, maybe I play. <clears throat> I really like this song called Do You Believe that we recorded together, and I helped write. I think it's a special one. It's vibey as hell. Yeah. And that was uh, that was really fun because it was just the band that she put together with was so good. It was like, uh, yeah. And we recorded those bed tracks live. And I just remember when we re- tracked that song, it was kind of, the sun was going down, so the skylights were dimming, and it just it felt very vibey, very good. great great symbol sound i guess you've got a pretty good um you've got your hands full right now with uh the sort of uh non-touring non-large crowd epidemic that's happening right now yeah um 
you've got the three the three albums that you're working on yep and uh i can't wait to hear all those cool um, Kate, yeah one other thing katie from dear nora and zach from ehi who also plays in dear nora we've been starting just to chip away at making some songs for like licensing so next time oh <laughs> yeah and commercial music yeah and we've only we've got one one almost done and it's it's so fun doing that stuff with people because doing it by yourself is depressing as hell so oh yeah 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 whether or not it's a, anything happens is another thing but it's just as like a exercises or whatever is it's really fun trying to do this how are we feeling you know, I, I feel like we've uh, covered a lot of ground here, and I, I've i never talked to you for this long before, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, me too. Heck yeah. I think I'll probably play Country Boy. Great. Love it. <laughs> yeah. I still, uh, can, yeah. you, can you say a little something about that song? Uh, sure. Uh, that one I made up in 2012. Uh, after I went on tour with Night Jewel for about... A month in Europe and I came back whenever I'm in Europe I always just like yearn for the West for some reason or like America and Canada I guess mm. and so I was I don't know I think I was just thinking about like American themes a lot when I was in Europe because like I remember one of the first times I went to Europe I like instinctively on the train after landing like put on Born in the USA or whatever and I don't know what it is I'm not like I'm not a very European person or like I'm a super European person. My last name's like Eastern Euro as hell. Or like yeah, but. I've never. <laughs> I, you were you really easy to Google. If, yeah. Uh, if yeah. you know how to spell your last name, K R G O V I C H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But so a little I, bit of a little bit of Western yearning. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. And then also. <sighs> Man, I haven't really thought about it too much, even at the time. Like, I, there was also, actually, you know what? I think I was listening to later Prefab's Brout albums in the van, too, on that Night Jewel tour. And, like... I definitely hear that. Yeah. And I was thinking... And it's kind of, like, the same kind of yearning for America that Patty McLoon started doing a lot in, like... Everything from, like, all of them. Like, you know, yeah. I think it was ma mainly me dipping my toe into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like you're sort of carrying the prefab sprout torch a little bit. Oh damn, yeah. It's <laughs> a nice Apparently compliment. Apparently, he's got something new coming out. Oh really? Pretty Great. soon. Love that's, it. That's what I've heard. Um, cool. But I know his songwriting process is a lot different nowadays. Yeah. Oh man, I'm interested to hear what might be coming. Cool. Yeah. So the, I guess that's all it is. But this is okay. one of the, like one of the rare songs that I I love singing still like i always play it at shows and stuff and it yeah it, whatever whatever's going on in it hasn't died in me <laughs> so that's cool it's a cool one to go out on i guess all right well nicholas kurgovich we did it yeah i think we did feels it. great <laughs> everybody here's country boy be sure and look up the video for this song online oh, yeah. as well <laughs> it's it's terrific thanks and 
Thank you so much for talking to us. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. And we all look forward to everything that you're coming out with soon. And everybody check out the back catalog as well. Thank you so much for your time, Nate. No problem. Bye. I'm a country boy. Just rocking back and forth I will be so good to you